I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, you're listening to Weird Tales. Uh, I was about to say Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. Weird Tales Revisited. It's a Weird Tales Revisited episode of Weird Tales the Unexplainable with me, Bob Shoy, as always, and Rick Dove. Hello. And uh, today we're talking about something that's come up on Weird Tales actually quite a few times. I think the first time was way back on episode 10. We talked about uh, like life, death, and existence. It was our first ever discussion. And since then... Mm. I think Tiss introduced the topic to me and Beef, who weren't aware of it at the time, and it really captured my imagination. And since then, it's come up numerous times. I think most discussion episodes, it weaves its way in at some point. Um, and that is simulation theory. Mm, big one. Yeah. What's your uh, history with this subject? Were you how, how long have you been aware of it for, Rick? I... <sighs> I think a lot of people in my generation, so I, I was born in 85, just for reference. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in my generation would say their first real brush with it would be watching The Matrix, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. It was just such a, a, a big film. And you know, for me, I was I was 14 when it released. So it was when I was starting to actually you know, start reading about f- uh, philosophy and stuff at mm-hmm. school. Um, and so it really hit because I'm, I'm a massive nerd. I'm into my tech and it just married all those worlds together at a time when I was sort of like, just like my fledgling mind was starting to open. And it was, it was quite something like, you know, not, not something I've ever gone. Oh my God, we're in the matrix, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it was, it's quite eye opening. The Matrix uh, is a great film. Like it's still a great film. I did watch it fairly recently mm. and I was like, this is still awesome. Yep. Um, especially that first one. It's just like a, per- it's one of those, it's a perfect film. Yes. Um, but and I watched that when it came out, so I'm a, I'm a couple of years younger than you, Rick. Uh, not just three years younger, and uh, so I was. But that at that age, that makes a difference. So when it came out for me, I lo- I really liked it when I first watched mm. it. But I was just slightly too young to grasp everything about it. And even when yeah. I rewatched it a few years later and loved it, I didn't ever think of it as something like oh, this is something that some people might believe. I just saw it as like a cool film idea. And then, like I say, mm. it wasn't until Tiss brought up simulation theory on early, early Weird Tales where I was like, oh, okay, so this Matrix stuff, this is actually like a belief. I've never thought of it in that terms, but of course people can see truth in this. Um, so let's give a quick description of what simulation is kind of for listeners who are new to it or can't remember necessarily what simulation theory is um basically it's the idea that we are all living in a simulation it's what it is it's this world was created by someone else it's you know it's it can be looked at as a sort of a form of religion and some people do see it as like a form of religion Mm. uh this world that we're living in we are just code and we are a part of a computer simulation. And there are many ways that people look at this, which I guess we'll get on to throughout the episode. I only was sort of, I thought of this in one particular way. The way I always thought of this was, you know, some maybe human or whatever created um, sort of a simulacra of Earth and left it running. And this is us. And we're, everyone in this world is 
a computer program and we're all just yeah. running and we have you know technology is so advanced from the people that created us that we feel like we're real we're that our ai is that good we're like no we're real right <laughs> right <laughs> um but actually potentially not that's the way i saw it yeah, and the, the guy who I kept on coming across is uh, a guy called uh, Professor Nick Bostrom, um, and uh, he's a yeah. professor at Oxford, and he's he's one of the um, sort of leading th- theorists on simulation hypothesis. Yeah, and the way that he words it, he says it could be about uh, like a, an ancestor simulation. So, say like an advanced uh, race of humans, thousands of years down the line, has the computing uh, and graphics technology to be able to simulate an entire world or universe. They might do that to try and get an idea of their ancestry Mm -hmm. so they can watch maybe their evolution and see how things might have played out or you know tweak the scenarios a bit like the you know like the who killed hitler scenario Mm -hmm. Uh, they could do all sorts of things and just play with the timeline to see just how it plays out and uh, it posits that we are potentially part of that simulation and we are being watched yeah this this uh nick bostrom he is the guy that's really like popularized this theory and sort of birthed this Mm. theory um, and I've got here the, the Nick Bostrom theory. If humans can survive long enough to create technology capable of running convincing simulations of reality, it will create many such simulations, and therefore there will be lots of similarity, lots of simulated realities, and one base reality. So uh, many leading scientists believe this is totally feasible. And if there are hundreds upon hundreds or however many simulated realities and only one original base reality is actually more likely that we're living in one of the simulated realities as opposed Mm. to one of the base realities and um, i actually haven't got my sound ready here but what i'll do is on the episode i'll insert it here i've got a short clip of an interview with neil degrasse tyson who comes up on the show a fair amount and he sort of talks about on that you know how he thinks it is more than likely that we are living in a simulation. So I haven't got mm. it prepared, but <laughs> he, he, he's going to say that now. So are we living in simulation? I find it hard to argue against that possibility. Meaning? Meaning. You look at our computing power today, and you say, I have the power to program a world inside of a computer. Well, imagine in the future where you have even more power than that. You can create characters that have, for example, free will or their own perception of free will. So this is a world, and I program in the laws that govern that world. That world will have its own laws of physics and chemistry and biology. Now, you're a character in that world, and you think you have free will, and you say, I want to invent a computer. So you do. Hey, I want to create a world in my computer. And then that world creates a world in its computer. And then you have simulations all the way down. So now you lay out all these universes and throw a dart. Which of these universes are you most likely to hit? The original one that started it? Or the countless simulations, the daughter simulations that uh, unfolded thereafter? You're going to hit one of the simulations. So statistically, based on that argument, which first appeared by a, a philosopher from Oxford named Nick Bostrom back in the 1990s, right when computers were coming real enough to think this through. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to argue against the possibility that all of us are not just the creation of some kid in a parent's basement programming up a world for their own entertainment. And then every time something weird happens in the world, some disruptive leader takes charge. And I wonder if that programmer just got bored and had to stir the pot. So they throw somebody in there just to, just to, for their own entertainment. For me, that's some of the best evidence that we live in a simulation. Because this happens every time uh, there's peace and tranquility in the world. But if it's true, what can we do about it? If like the Truman movie, or the, was that, we're in that. Yeah, well he can try to escape by going in the Truman movie to go through the barrier. Yeah. But yeah, if, you're, if you were programmed by somebody, yeah, no. There's nothing you can so do. So what difference does it make if I'm programmed by someone? I guess it, I don't know it. I guess it doesn't make any difference at all. Wow, thanks, Neil. There's there's a, a line as well from uh, from Bostrom, and it's probably the one that gets me the most, uh, even as someone who's uh, a little bit dismissive of this. And he, he it's in his conclusion where he says, Therefore, if we don't think we are currently living in a computer simulation, we are not entitled to believe that we will have descendants who will run lots of such simulations of their forebears. 
So that's saying down the line, do we think that our our descendants aren't going to have that sort of power to be able to run that sort of simulation? And if they did, they wouldn't do it. And the way that technology is just sort of sort of growing and growing and getting more complex, like exponentially, like the way in mm. just the last decade, it's you've seen the changes in technology and how quickly it's like getting quicker and quicker in its advancements. It mm. doesn't feel like that out of the realm of possibility that we'd create these worlds because even the worlds of like video games and stuff now they're mm-hmm. getting so much more complex that you can see well eventually surely these little ai humans will feel like they're real inside these games one well the real that really gets me at the moment um this this was released uh, i think it's a year or two ago mm-hmm. um fire up the website this person does not exist.com right and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a moment just to do that. Okay, let me pull and tell, up. D- d- just to tell me what you're looking at. Okay. Uh, okay, so it's this person does not exist.com, yeah? Yes, that's it. Okay, so I've got a picture of a man's face. Yes. So that uh, is part of an AI-driven technology project that is in cooperation with NVIDIA Graphics. That is an an entirely computer-generated face done by an AI algorithm. Mm. And you can keep refreshing that, and every time it's going to generate you a photorealistic-looking face. Oh, this is creepy. I'm refreshing as we talk. mm -hmm. And each one of these people looks like a real human being, but they're... It's like a picture that would be on your mantelpiece, doesn't it? But they're not real. It weirds me out. It really weirds me out. And then take take that concept of a person who doesn't exist, who looks photorealistic, and then team that with a technology which is in its infancy right now, such as deep fakes. And what have you got? You've got an artificial person right there. And then you scale up that technology. You know, The AI processing technology we've got now is already pretty damn good. I'm not saying we're anywhere near that yet. But you can see 300 years. Where it's going, yeah. Yeah, who knows? In the future, our computing power is going to be insane. So the chances that we are going to be able to simulate someone on a very, very realistic level is extremely high. Ah, so I said last time, I feel like we've we've got into this episode and we've already like running um, 100 miles an hour one chatting chatting <laughs> yeah. before but i feel like we're still on the south so i said last time rick we i always mm. give us subjects that you're just like no 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 this is bollocks blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. yeah sorry about <laughs> and, that um, <laughs> i said i'll try and give you something that you might see some possibility in and already i can feel you're more like yeah this this is this is possible so it, it gets me going a little bit more because there's there's no way to prove it or disprove it. Yeah. It's a very interesting thought experiment to me, and I love that. You know, I can't be like running around going, "It's all a game, man." But, you know, <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's very interesting to me, especially as like a, a tech nerd and a gamer and everything. It just feeds into everything that I love. So, do you are you of the opinion that it's more than likely that this is simulated? This is in what we're living in now. Um. <laughs> I would say very likely. I'd say there is a chance. Yeah. There's certainly a chance. I can't say no. I can't say it's it's not the case. I don't have the evidence to say yes or no. No. So maybe. Yeah. So I um I don't know how much research you did for this. Um, well, first of all, I want to say, so this episode's going up a bit late. I've, <laughs> all my notes are in a sort of chaotic order. So this episode's going up a week late uh, to what everyone expected. I did put a note on social media just to say, you know, it's going to be a week late. And then I said, due to recording issues, and I got some feedback from people saying, you can't keep blaming recording issues, Bob, because I've had a few hiccups with recording oh, no, recently. Oh, no, and no, I said, I said, this is Rick's fault. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make him I'm, answer to it. So I will cop to this. Make yeah, him feel guilty. Blame him, Bob. Right, uh, right, you bastards out there. <laughs> I have got a three-year-old who came down with chicken pox. It sucked. I was doing everything I can just to try and get my recording done. She was screaming, bless her. It had nothing to do with Bob. So if you're going to blame someone, you got to stick that blame on a three-year-old and you can live with that guilt. Yeah, I didn't tell him that was the reason I said I was going to chew you out and put my boot up your ass on the episode. Cheers, <laughs> so man. hopefully they feel guilty. Um, Good. So anyway, yeah, that's why we're a bit late, but you can have Weird Tales two weeks in a row now. Yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, yeah, so I made these notes two mm. weeks ago now, maybe a bit more. So I'm, and I haven't had time to revisit them. So this is my notes open in front of me. That's why I might be a bit all over the place today, because I'm revisiting my notes real time. My, mine's the same, don't <laughs> they're worry. They're all in order. Um, but before we recorded, before we were going to record last time, the night before, I watched, did you watch the, the documentary A Glitch in the Matrix? I did. 
I right. did, yes. Um, Christ. I would like to know what you thought of it before I reveal what I think of it, because this is either we're going to be on the same page or we're going to be battling each other. Um, oh. <sighs> It's a difficult one. I, I thought it was a little bit... It's a bit loosey-goosey with the sort of theory, and it was kind of a little bit like a stoner look into it in some ways. Yeah, I've literally written that. And then all of a sudden, the gears changed, man. Totally. That last third, the last act, there was a surprise twist third act, and it went in places I didn't expect it to. But it, I found it kind of insufferable, like it was a bit of a chore to get through, and I yeah. found they had a lot of talking heads of people who had no scientific bona fides. They were just... yes hypothesizing and to me i felt like they were getting the wrong end of the stick on what simulation theory was they all Mm. seemed to think that the simulation was built around them it had a very narcissistic viewpoint of what simulation theory was which is not the way i've seen it they Mm. all had the opinion that like they are the real one and everything around them is simulated because no one could possibly understand them man um Mm. all these like sort of terribly woe is me people who just like the world doesn't get me therefore i'm real and the rest of it's a simulation no 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 everyone's a simulation we're all in this together they didn't seem Mm. to get that uh that was really frustrating me for it so i was really hoping for a more scientific look at things yeah there was not many scientists i i I paid good money for that and uh, i got sort of halfway through i was like oh this sucks yeah i was ready to turn it off but then yeah it it went it went i'll be honest halfway through becca i was watching it with becca and she gave up on it halfway through and i was like i'm sticking with it so um i did find a lot of the people very narcissistic though yeah yeah very self-centered because it all seemed to be that sort of based around the matrix kind of discussion you know yes. well, you know where it ultimately ends up but yeah. it's very much like i'm i'm neo i'm the one that's in the vat and so yeah you're yeah not the world does not revolve around you no yeah we're all guinea pigs it's not like one one of us is god and the rest are simulations no we're all simulations yeah um and they had it was almost like the i felt like a lot of the people felt like they took the video game aspect of it too far. Like they felt like they're living in a video game, so the world's being created around them as they move, and it has to buffer and stuff mm. like that. I was like, "What are you talking about? This this yeah. world exists as one solid program that's just been left." I think of it as like someone made a, a really advanced version of The Sims and then forgot about it and left it running somewhere. Yeah, they seem to all think it was very like we're special, being watched. No, 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 no. We've been forgotten. We're in the cupboard. They forgot to like yeah. turn the machine off. That's it. Yeah, yeah. The back of the server. Maybe that's my like fatalist approach to it. (laughs) I think you're right. I think you're right. Because there are a lot of narcissists, and they're talking about things like NPC theory. Like there's people on the streets um, who aren't real. That only some people are actual intelligences. Yeah. And other people are simulated just to pad out the system and provide base level interactions and events for those people. Like they're playing World of Warcraft or something. Yeah, I've written on here. These people are all part of the cult of Musk. (laughs) With very basic. theories yes i've just got one so this this is me scrambling through just my notes as i watched it um i've written there's a self-centered aspect to these people uh they all seem to think i'm the only real thing they all think they're very unique uh uh simplified people uh oh yeah so so this is this is like i say this is rambling all over the place but Hmm. i thought some thoughts i had i was just like brainstorming while i was watching this and sort of mine was wandering and stuff but i thought you know, you meet some people and they seem very simple, mm. not in a rude way, but like they have very simple aspirations and very simple life. I go to work. I'm happy. I do this. And I mm. wasn't thinking they're, MP- they're like NPCs or anything. I was thinking, well, maybe they've been designed by more simple people and more complex people have been designed by more complex people. But then that sort of sort of brain... I don't even I don't even know what I'm getting at really. That sort of that idea sort of I counteracted it because I was like, no, 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 no. We've all been sort of randomly generated. Mm, yeah. I sort of was like, well, are each of us uniquely created? Or is it we're all randomly generated? And I actually just kind of scrubbed that and went with the we're all randomly generated idea. But my brain was sort of running in all sorts of directions as I had these thoughts. It got me thinking about that. So actually, when I was thinking about random generation, because the one mm. thing that goes hand in hand for me, random generation, is like RPG games yeah. and stuff like Fallout, where you've got like stats in the background. Mm. And it made me wonder if if we are living in a simulation truly, then it suggests that everyone would have their own stat blocks. Mm. 
And it, it got me thinking, like, you know, obviously people do have different stats for things like, you know, strength, charisma, wisdom, and all, all that kind of mm. jazz. Some people are about but, OP. Yeah, this is it. They are, massively. <laughs> massively. Whoever's playing me is doing a fucking terrible job, by the way. <laughs> yeah, this is stat boost. It's some magic items. <laughs> um, but the, the thing that really got me thinking was, was luck. Because mm-hmm. I, have you ever known someone in life who seems to attract either higher or lower than average luck? Oh, my uncle is mega unlucky. He can't see, do like yeah. a simple thing. He painted my grand like when I, all my life. He, he, I remember he painted my grandparents' conservatory roof once, and just on the ladder, the ladder fell backwards. He climbed on it and he fell in their pond and broke his wrist. Ooh. The first job Jeez. he ever had was at Tesco's, and he opened the box of bananas, and a fruit fly flew out, and he ended up in hospital. He's wow. currently in hospital now with like some rare insect bite in his elbows, like the size of a golf ball. It, it, he just always falls into these unlucky, crazy situations. And I'm just like, how can one motherfucker be this unlucky? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's what that's what got me thinking, because I think everyone knows someone is like that. Yeah. So it got me thinking is like in terms of character stats, is it almost like, like a bell curve and like you know, most people <laughs> sort of at the average in the middle, but there are going to be people who fall to the more extreme. And are those the people that pop out and you kind of notice because yeah. they've got those massively high or massively lower stats? Well, you're always going to have these extreme, not just with luck, but with anything. Like you think of someone like Adolf Hitler. <laughs> He's extreme <laughs> in another way. Um, and that's almost like the stats are all stacked extreme in one direction. Mm. You know, zero empathy sort of stats, you know. Well, he, he's, he's part of the WW2 DLC, which is a bit <laughs> of a different pack from earlier on. So that's played out now. Yeah. Can't access that shard. Uh, so, yeah, I do... I do like thinking of it like, yeah, the random generation versus like, you know, more specifically design design stuff. The, the, mm. Something that came up in that documentary as well, they were, they were saying like, you know, oh, well, when they're talking about it needs to buffer, it couldn't possibly, not everyone can be real because there's no way that a processor could power 7 billion consciousnesses. So there has to be NPCs. And I was like, why? This is, we're talking about in the way future. Like this, yeah. this computer could. That's how it's running. Like there were very people who are so like trippy and out of it and like stoned in a you know a cafe at two in the morning. They seemed also <laughs> very close-minded on some ideas. Like, well, a processor couldn't manage say seven seven billion consciousnesses. Why? Yeah. yeah. Why? Like we're talking a hypothetical future. Yeah. Uh, look where a computer's gone in thirty years. Imagine where it's going to have gone in three hundred years, three thousand mm. years. Yeah. It, it, it's possible. It is possible. Um, so yeah, uh, so we, we talked about the documentary sort of went off the rails, um, not in a bad way. I actually found myself very engaged with that third act, but I was like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it, it was unexpected that, um, cause I was expecting it just to sort of peter out lighthearted. Oh, you know, we don't really know, but yeah, it took a real right turn. It, so it went into something which is known now as the matrix defense and one of, it talked about one of the cases, that sort of sparked that to become a thing. And basically around the time The Matrix came out, people became very obsessed with it and the idea of simulation theory and trying to prove that the world around them wasn't real. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it talk, but I don't think it, it, it sort of focused on one guy and the crimes he committed. I don't know if you want to go more into them, Rick, or skirt over it or what. Um, oh, well, I, I would say it's it's up to the to the listeners. I mean, I'd at least give the name. It was the the, the murders of uh, Joshua Cook, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's certainly worth a read. Um, but it's it, it's heavy stuff. Yeah, it kind of was quite shocking. Yeah, the way it went into detail on that on that uh, documentary. Yeah, and they're directly interviewing the killer as well. Yeah, and he's very just like I, I was wondering what he'd done at first, and it only started to dawn on me part way through, and I was like, "Oh God!" You know what? When his voice, because about halfway through, they start playing clips of him before they actually go mm. into fully about him. And when they were playing clips, I said to Becca when she was still watching, I said, "This guy sounds like a like a killer or something. His voice is so weird." And then when she <laughs> yeah. came back in, I was like, "You'll never believe it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it surprised me. I didn't realize it was going that way, but yeah, it was. Um, it is quite heart wrenching. I mean, if, if if people have got the the, the spare cash to throw it, is it is worth a little watch. But it's it's nothing too serious. If you're looking for a scientific take, I'd recommend sticking to uh, probably YouTube videos is the best place. Yeah, there's a lot of good YouTube videos. Um, but mm. the the Matrix defense is basically it's almost like an insanity plea. It's like yes. these people were so convinced that they were the world around them wasn't real that they committed these heinous acts to prove it 
So, you know, they people who have committed murder, and this guy isn't the only one. There are other people that have done it. And it created this whole thing called the Matrix defense to stand up in court, which would, you know, say that they weren't mentally sound because they yeah. believed they were living in a simulation. So this is an idea, this simulation theory is that so seeded in some people that they actually had to create this, like, courtroom defense for people who are affected by it. Yeah, the, the word that I saw when, when I saw that guy and listening to uh, sort of his story, I just felt like disenfranchised from society, like really mm. sort of cut out and he just seemed like in a really low place and he connected with that movie and it became his entire world and he got so convinced. To an obsessive extent. Yeah, absolutely obsessed. He was talking about sitting there in his trench coat, watching it on repeat all day, some days. I'm just like, that's... That's obsession. Completely. In a very scary way. But he was bullied. You know, it seems like he had was treated poorly by his parents. You know, it seemed he had a lot weighing him down that pushed him over the edge, I think. Yeah. And yeah. The, the Matrix and the idea of a simulation is, it was like somewhere to hide. Mm. Um, but yeah. So there was some, it can lead to some really dangerous thoughts, this idea. Um, and it the, the, the documentary also talked a lot about uh, the idea of solipsism. Which actually was uh, a term I hadn't come across before. And uh, I sort of did a bit of delving into that. And it's the idea that, you know, you can only be sure that your own mind is real and that everything outside your own mind is unsure. Mm. Um, so I just, I, I love learning new words. And that's just like, for me, that was a new word. So <laughs> and now I've <laughs> I found places to use it like a big smiley pants. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, looking back at my notes, my, my so my final notes on that documentary um, I've just got here are some people seeing this as a religion where we talk about that. I think there's there's no really difference between this idea mm. to any other religion really. It's about, you could say a higher being, but like a more advanced version of us is a higher being creating yeah. the world in which we live in. The, if you believe in simulation, I'm surprised it isn't a proper religion. Not yet, at least. Yeah. I, I think as the world becomes more technologically diversified and there's a bigger uptake of it in yeah, sort of third world places and things ad advance more across the world, I can see as people take a more sort of techie kind of cyberpunk view of the world, potentially, mm. I could see that being a thing. But then I'm like, okay, so if you believe this is a simulation in your whole heart, to the point where you're like, this is my religion, I believe in this, I believe a more advanced version of us is the higher power... What I don't know how that religion functions as a religion though. You don't. You're not praying to the person who created this the simulation unless you are. You're like, make it more fair. Come on. Well, I, I think you've already got a divide in the religion. You're gonna have a couple of sects right off the bat because you're gonna have those who are trying to praise the creator of the system, and you're gonna have those who are trying to praise the system itself. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. <laughs> You'll have all sorts of splinter cells. You know, those who want to edit it, who those who think the system should be pure. Oh, they can hack hack into the the world. Mm -hmm. and make yeah, exactly. things change yeah. in their own favour wow it's bonkers where you could go with this quick, <laughs> quick copyright this shit <laughs> we're yeah, onto something this is, the, this is the new Matrix movie we're writing we are the it. new Elrond yeah this is where we find out this is the plot of the Matrix 4 <laughs> yeah so I don't know part of me is like I get it and like I believe in this as a religious theory quote unquote religious theory more than I believe in others as someone who doesn't have a faith I'm like almost like yeah I, I kind of can believe this more than mm. some of the others so i do kind of sympathize with it yeah it's uh it, it does definitely feel more plausible than some of the other topics we've spoken about because a lot of them just have massive red alarm bells hanging on them and you know the yeah. daily mails writing about them and they are best avoided it's like you said um when we started like it's interesting because there's no way to prove it's not real like no one can that's why so many scientists when they've weighed in on it are like yeah maybe because there's no way that they can prove it's not real Mm. And there have been reports of like, yeah, they found coding in the universe and stuff like that. Like really weird. Like, I don't know how my simple brain can get. I can't get my head around someone saying, yeah, we found traces of like computer code in the in the fabric of the universe. I'm like, I don't know what that means. And I'm not smart enough to dive into what that means. But it sounds weird and it sounds cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know, I know that, and that's my problem with it as well. Like my, my scientific knowledge stops at a certain point. I am no physicist, you know, I'm a computer nerd and that is it. I take an interest in scientific topics, but yeah, that just baffles me. I'm sure it's a cool thing and I'm sure there's probably a layman's explanation out there somewhere, mm. but yeah, yeah, baffles me too, mate. There was definitely some stuff that I sort of like that code in the universe. I sort of, sort of played with the edges of in my research and then anytime I sort of tried to delve further in, I was like, this is beyond beyond my ken you know mm. <laughs> and i'm sure if i start talking about it with no knowledge i'm either gonna irritate listeners with my dumb dumb brain <laughs> or i'm going to just lose them because i can't even follow it so how can i expect them to and i'm the one trying to give them the information you know it's it's an interesting subject in the there are certain parts of it that are as deep as a puddle and other parts you can just get down a rabbit hole and you can lose yourself in the deepest scientific explanation until you're staring at bizarre theories you have no idea what it means. 100%. And I think I could easily see myself falling prey to like, oh, you know, I've had a few drinks, I've had a smoke or something, I'm with friends. Mm. I'm falling into that insufferable, like, stoner, the universe simulation talk. <laughs> like, you don't understand, man. <laughs> the listeners should be happy that we didn't have a drink before we recorded this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Something that did uh, crop up in my research on this one is actually a topic we've covered before. Um, I don't know if you saw, but the Mandela effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I was about to say, I've got my notes here. My notes are, there's a bullet point, it says Mandela effect. Yeah. And I haven't written anything underneath it. That's how I had a massive one. I was like, what, what did I mean about the Mandela effect? I had to do my research again just before the show. I was all, yeah. over, this, all over the place. Sorry about that. Yeah, there's no organisation to these notes. But but that makes sense because this is chaos. Just like a simulated world left running is, is chaos. This episode is... So we're is, just playing catch up. We're mirroring the subject. Uh, but yeah, the Mandela effect, definitely. Mm. So for I guess for those listeners who didn't take the opportunity to enjoy the uh, the quality content that we uh, put out on that subject, um, the Mandela effect is uh, a phenomenon where a large group of people remember something differently than to how it actually occurred. So, um, for example, the shoe brand Skechers, Bob. Do you know that spelt? S K E T C H E R S. Nope. S K E C H E R S. No T in there. Oh. Interesting. We played this game before. We did, yeah. So if listeners, through. if you haven't heard, um, I know a lot of people have listened to these, but if you go to Bandcamp, it's one of the, the there's a bundle of uh, special episodes of Re- Revisit that me and Rick did. There's three of them. Um, you go to bobshoy.bandcamp.com. It's a couple of quid and there's some really good episodes in there. And one of them is the Mandela Effect. And in that, Rick does quiz me on these things. And I, I do fairly pitifully. <laughs> It's difficult, but yeah. just do, I've got I've got three three more examples just to blow your listeners' minds to hook them into the the the, the upsell, the purchase of the, <laughs> right, uh, the, the the locked content. So the Monopoly Man doesn't wear a monocle. Pikachu does not have a black tip on his tail, and C three PO always has had a silver leg. There you go, guys. More of that. There you go. More of that. To Enjoy be that. Boom. But yeah, people say that um, these these things where people remember them differently. So the people who say C3PO always had a gold leg, you know, it's been changed. Uh, they say that that's evidence of the simulation being changed or tweaked. And some mm-hmm. people uh, have got the ability to remember it, and others don't. And they they suggest that you know that our memories retain the previous version of that reality, um, even if reality itself has been over overwritten. Bit of a bizarre one for me. The other argument with the Mandela effect is that it's like parallel universes and we objects or memories or we can slip between and not notice. And that's why we remember things differently. But the simulation argument is that it's been tweaked or altered while we've lived in it. And that's why some of yeah. us remember things differently. Interesting. Mm. Um, it's, it's just along the same line as the Mandela effect as well. Um, it comes up a lot when I've looked into stuff to do with simulation theory. And it came up in that documentary as well. I don't know. If we, did we even say the name of the documentary, A Glitch in the Matrix? I think you did. <laughs> right, I think anyway, you did in case I yes. did, the film was called a Glitch in the Matrix. It came out this year. Um, it was Deja Vu. It's something that mm. comes up a lot as well. And that's something that some people see as... It's the same as the Mandela effect, really. Is it things happening in alternate dimensions? Is it things repeating as like a, a literal glitch in our coding? Um, mm. You know, um, one, of the, one of the things that someone said in the documentary, which I really liked, is that when you have Deja Vu, you're reliving the present. And that combination of words really captured my imagination a little bit. Um, mm. It made me wish I had more time to write. I used to do a lot of writing and it made me, I was like, oh God, I've a short story about reliving the present. 
Uh, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, you're reliving <laughs> events as they happen mm. simultaneously as something goes wrong with the code or something gets rewritten, like you're experiencing it rewritten as yeah. you exist. And I love that idea. It really gets in me. It's pretty cool, yeah. If you've got the ability to observe that, like reality being live overwritten in front of you or changed. Yeah, you experience cool. two things at the same time, so you feel like you're remembering one of them as exactly what happened. It's a cool, crazy idea. Mm. Um, but yeah, Deja Vu and the Mandela Effect are very much wrapped up in simulation theory as well as like parallel universe theory and things like that as well. Mm. The other thing that I found quite a lot in my research was... Um, of course you stumble upon reddit and there is a subreddit called a glitch in the matrix where people mm -hmm. talk about um seeing actual glitches in real life so weird little things things that stood out to them as being anomalous as to how things normally operate so you know glitches in physics strange things happening strange people they might have met things that don't quite add up so it's 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 another rabbit hole but uh, i'd recommend the listeners jump on there sort by uh, the top of all time and have a little read of the sort of uh, top 10 articles to get a little flavor of what it is but it can be quite interesting I'm yeah sure a lot of it is sort of creepypasta stuff but it's interesting i remember stumbling across that reddit in the early days of weird tales mm. um i think i accidentally subscribed to it because i was looking for something else and then when i went on reddit to pick up some ghost stories or whatever i saw some stuff come up and then i had a bit of a, a dig into it back then i didn't actually revisit it for this episode but i remember digging through it back then and finding some interesting if questionably real stuff on there it's a fun read yeah yeah and, and that's the best way to approach it like, there, there's some stuff on there that seems to have a, a degree of veracity but yeah i think a lot of it is just a, a sort of creative writing exercise and yeah that's fine in itself yeah i mean there's a lot of that on reddit anyway um, yeah exactly i mean yeah. that is creepypasta that's uh that's how mm -hmm. that whole thing started and now it's an absolute phenomenon <laughs> hey, just out of wondering uh, a bit of an aside but you know you bleep names are you gonna start uh bleeping elon musk because he's an absolute um <laughs> interesting interesting so we might as well talk about musk i i i don't i don't think we talked about him on weird tales recently i, I might have called him a c on a recent episode i really I don't, I'm not a fan of that man. Mm. And it's really interesting. It shows how long Weird Tales has been around because in the early days of Weird Tales, one of, one of our most famous early episodes, which was one of the first weird news we talked about, the SUV to Mars and stuff, mm -hmm. that whole SUV to Mars clip started with Tiss going, so I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Elon Musk. And yeah. we're like, no, no, who is he? And that whole thing comes from us laughing about this guy who's going to drive a car into space. And now, you know, five years later... People might listen to that episode, not realize how old it is. Well, these idiots don't even know who Elon Musk is, and they're finding him funny. And I'm like, no, there's nothing funny about that man. He's despicable and mm -hmm. moronic and whatever. And I know it's come full circle. I know for some people, he's an icon in various different ways, but I think he's diabolical and manipulative. He's one of those um, Boris Johnson types where if I act stupid, people will think I'm funny and I can get away with more despicable things. Yes, and actually, they're much more calculated than than they, you think. Yeah, he's terrible. I, I think he's a, a bullying, idiotic asshole, like mm -hmm. a real despicable piece of shit who underpays his workers, uh, treads all over people's civil rights, and is essentially a wannabe Tony Stark and nothing mm. more. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, he jumps on the latest fads to try and make himself look popular, like that whole thing he did with uh, Dogecoin. Just like yeah, yeah, exactly. It up and then dumping it, and you know, he doesn't realise that he affected a lot of people's dreams there. People are like, oh yeah, go Elon, yeah. And they're shoving all their money in it, and then he shits on it, it crashes. People really damage their lives in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he doesn't care, you know. If you look at the origins of his wealth and stuff, you know, there's there's a lot he could do with the money he has. Um, mm. And he yeah. plays fr like frivolously with it, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he just like you say, very manipulative man. I don't want to go too much on him, but he does come up a lot with this simulation theory stuff because a lot of yes. people who go hard on simulation theory stuff in mm. a the you know I'm very unique way. The world doesn't understand me. I'm more intelligent than everyone else, so therefore everyone's a simulation except for me. Are mm -hmm. also the same sort of people who really look up to this man and yeah. think, well, he's a genius. Do you hear Elon Musk talking about simulation theory? And then I saw these clips of Elon Musk talking about simulation theory. These guys are like, he's so clever. And I was like, what he's spouting is the most basic concept of simulation theory. And everyone mm -hmm. around him is going, mm -hmm, what a genius. And I'm like, 
this is basic shit, man. This is like, imagine we're in a computer. Like, yeah. Now what, <laughs> yeah. Elon? Like, Whoa. that's not your amazing theory. That's just something you read on a fucking listicle. <laughs> I, th- I think the trouble is, is a lot of people's exposure to, uh, you know, unless, unless you're into the slightly weirder side of life, like, you know, perhaps us and uh, a chunk of the listeners, maybe you've not come across it. And, you know, that fucking asshole spouting that is just the, your first exposure. And the people who are in the cult of Elon just start nodding and going, yeah, what he said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I might be losing listeners now. Maybe some of our listeners really do love Elon. If you do... Do I need to dial it back? I was going to say email me and tell me why, but don't. <laughs> don't no. I don't need some loads of emails defending. Just accept that I, I don't like him. And neither does Rick. Open your eyes. Like, he, it, it's it's not a cult of personality. Look into the other side of him. Look how he acquired Tesla. He didn't just start it up and everything was magical and happy and he started outputting these lovely cars. There is a history. Read yeah. it. He's not he, a lovely person. He didn't build those cars himself. It's mm. like we talked about on, on the most recent episode of Weird Tales, we talked about fearsome leaders. And um, I can't remember who we were talking about, but like it was the like people like this guy. They're like, oh, yeah, but he built amazing cities and amazing architectures. And me and Tess were just like, yeah, but he didn't build them. I doubt he even designed them. He said someone yeah. built an amazing city. And then I was like, he's a great leader. He built an amazing city. No, he told people to do it because he was in charge. Yeah. So this is Elon with all his money saying, build a rocket. And it was like, he's amazing, yeah, he built it, a rocket. Yeah. He didn't build it, he didn't design it. He told some people to build it with his money. So, yeah, yeah, this is it. Yeah, And he's got the mouthpiece, that is, the universal mouthpiece that is Twitter, and he puts it up, and everyone goes, look what Elon did. And like, look at everyone fucking standing behind him. Jesus. Yeah, uh, okay, so we'll move on from Elon. But basically, yes, he talks yes. a lot about simulation oh. theory on podcasts and on Twitter and in interviews, and says some very basic like i read this thing this is simulation theory stuff and everyone goes he's a genius uh like they do with a lot of stuff he says and it's just him saying basically doing what we're doing i'm not a genius mm-hmm. and i'm just mm. telling you things that i read about simulation theory that's what he did <laughs> maybe you are a genius yeah maybe cult, the cult of wtatu start that one <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i don't know if you saw anything else about musk um, no, that's pretty much it. Like, I, I loathe to research the man, to be honest. No, I just, just wanted to bring him up so you could have a rant. Oh, Christ. He's really <laughs> riled me. I used to like the guy. I used to think he was kind of cool. Like, never that's part it. Of cult, a lot of people like, have been loving him. He's doing some cool stuff technology-wise, but he's a bit yeah. arrogant. I could handle that, but then yeah. he turned into an absolute I think in the early days of Weird Tales, we said similar things. Like, oh, he's doing some interesting stuff with his wealth. Uh, yeah. I think yeah, a, lot exactly. of people, a lot of people have gone through that sort of trajectory with him. So. <laughs> the other thing that got me as well, the, the other day, like, this is a massive aside, but I, I found this website and um, it's basically a big block of colour and it shows you a little pixel and it goes, um, this is your monthly wage, you know, sort of average like $3,000 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and the, the size of the block scales up and it's like, this is you yearly, this is how much you're kid of cost at university this is how much you earn in your lifetime the blocks you know it's probably like a good sort of centimeter block you're like cool and it's like here's how much a millionaire has bam big block here's how much a billionaire has you scroll in a couple of times it's like here's how much elon musk has my finger was worn out Mm -hmm. i was scrolling for about eight minutes and i was halfway and i gave up and it just showed the vast volume of wealth that a multi-billionaire has. And I don't think the average person fathoms that. No, and that's the other thing that makes much. me angry when someone's hoarding that like a fucking troll. It's too much to fathom. And that that's why it's, it's despicable. Like anyone with that much mm-hmm. wealth, it's, it's despicable. You don't need it. So disperse it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Oh, the rage. Anyway, maybe- I don't have money and I, I give a chunk of my money away. So, you know, these fuckers just, like, give a little. <laughs> Damn right. And, Damn and you, know, right. You, know, you know what they do? Like they give you know, a, a million to some charity and everyone goes, they're actually really good. They're actually like philanthropists. And then you realize that's a drop in the ocean. It just like makes everyone think they're great. <laughs> It's 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 a lot to us, but look what that is to your average large charity and how quickly that gets eaten up. And then yeah. compare that to the pool of wealth that they fucking have. It's insane. It's yeah. insane. So anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway. So uh, the other note I've got here is... Um, okay, oh, it's kind of what we already covered. I've written one, one big simulation versus one simulation per person, mm. which seems to be the narcissistic approach. Um, so you kind of see it as like, the Matrix versus The Truman Show is the yes. way I read it in my notes. Yeah. Are you the one man and everyone's acting around you or are you all in this together and some of you realise and some of you don't? 
No, um, it, it would have to be everyone is simulated. Uh, oh, yeah, I'd be simulated. Everyone around me, everything is simulated. If that was the way it was going to be, because I don't th- see a scenario whereby just simulating one person in a particular environment is helpful, and being able to see the entirety of one person's life end to end is handy, as compared to a massive simulator that simulates a whole raft of people, mm. and you can track each one of those individuals to look at multiple lives. That would make more sense. It's where it kind of lost me with them. Like it came up a few times, and not just in that documentary, but in other things where they say, oh, when you look at an extreme character, like someone like Hitler or something, they say, oh, it's like them chucking a crazy NPC in to shake things up or whatever. But I'm just like, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I still don't see it like that. I don't think anyone's an NPC. I think everyone is a random simulation. Yeah. Even even Hitler is just an extreme, like, like you said, an extreme roll of the dice on their stats. Yeah, that's you, it. You get stuff like that. Yeah, coupled with circumstance. Yeah. I mean, there are other people as bad as Hitler that have existed, but it's the situations that he was in, the luck stat, that got him to where he was. There could be someone as terrible as him that was born in the middle of nowhere and, you know, imprisoned their whole life or whatever. They mm. didn't get, you know, he's he, it's just the perfect like stream of events that got him to that be that person that he was. Oh, this is it. Yeah, they say that, you know, in Africa there could be a thousand Albert Einsteins, but the lack of education prevents that from happening. So, you know, what's not to say that out there in the world is a thousand Adolf Hitlers that haven't had the right circumstance and opportunity to be able to rise to any sort of degree of power. 100%. So if you look at Albert Einstein as like, you know, you know, one of the most famous geniuses of all time, whatever. That's like a more positive thing to think about than Hitler. Let's move up the Hitler <laughs> yes. train. But like you say, you, extremes in every direction, and it's not just yes. the extreme of their personality and their stats, quote unquote. It's mm. the perfection of the situation that they were born, raised, where they yeah, live, their yeah. education, their lifestyle, the jobs they had, blah blah blah, all that stuff. It's not just them as a person. Well, yeah, this is it. Yeah, there's a lot of random factors that lead to putting people where they are. Like, you know, there was there was a guy in World War One who ended up looking down the barrel of the gun at Adolf Hitler and did not shoot him. Mm. You know, that actually happened. So, and that man changed the world by not pulling the trigger. But that is a random yeah. event. That is one person. If that had been a different person standing there who was maybe a bit more ruthless, bang goes Adolf Hitler. You know, it's a roll of the dice. Ah, oh, twists my mind. It really does. Like when you think of not even in terms of assimilation, but just like. The idea of luck, I think luck is definitely something that could be delved into somehow in Weird Tales somewhere. Like, just mm. the idea of luck as a thing that is that exists or does it exist in our brain is interesting to me as well. Yeah. And that twists my mind. Like, man, maybe luck is a real thing in the universe and some people have more random. It's like the force. Like mm. sometimes it clings more to some people, and some people some people don't. Yeah, like we all have exactly the ability how... for it, but sometimes it's e- it's easier for some people. You know. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I think, and I think it kind of ebbs and flows throughout your life. Like sometimes you might be a little bit more touched by luck and get further good events, mm-hmm. but other times it's just not with you, and your life's just extremely average. But if you look at the extreme cases of luck that are out there, you'll find some insane stuff. Like there's yeah. really some mad stuff out there. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's people who have won, like, the lottery twice and stuff like that. I mean, just that is yeah. unfathomable, and I'm sure there's even crazier stuff than that. That's just like, wow. Yeah, I think there's one story I read where there's a guy in America who bought, like, a bought a scratcher and won, like, $100,000, and then just for a laugh went in, put another $10 on, and then won, like, $10 million or $100 million uh... or something ridiculous. It's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, I want that kind of money. so something that came up as well on that documentary which i found interesting um philip k dick mm, really yes. interesting guy super interesting guy uh really, really odd guy but wrote amazing like very forward-thinking science fiction so many of which have been adapted to film so even if you haven't read his mm. books you might know things like uh blade runner uh, Joanne Dorsey Dream of Electric Sheep, uh, the Adjustment Bureau, um, mm. a Scanner Darkly, Scanner Darkly. I fucking love that film. Me too. Um, oh, basically, loads of cool Total Recall, loads mm. of cool sci-fi, really crazy ideas written by this one dude, um, and he talked about simulation theory. You know, way back, uh, set in the 70s, he was talking about simulation theory before it was really on everyone's lips and before people mm. even thought of computing power in that way. He was yeah. already coming up with these sort of ideas of like, you know, 
simulation theory we're living in a simulation we have controlled lives and stuff mm. um some of his press conferences are, are on youtube too like there's one i saw where he's in france that's the one that's the real he's got famous next to him and he just yeah he just broke out and started talking about it no one was expecting it they thought it was gonna talk about his book and he's just like right bam it's this. amazing they played clips of it, it in that documentary and i went and watched the like a big chunk of it on youtube and mm. yeah, that's like you say. He they expected him to come there and talk about the books he's writing, or like a like a you know just a book book tour. Yeah. And then when he got on there, he walked on stage with like a, sh- a big fucking wad of notes, and all just basically talked about everything he'd been dreaming about and things he'd been thinking about. And it was all these like super early ideas of simulation theory, and the crowd yeah. had just sat there like dumbstruck. Like mm-hmm. no one was expecting this, and it's super yeah. interesting, crazy stuff. In fact, at the end of this episode, I'll put in. There's like a really good chunk of it. It's about five minutes long, and I'll put it at the end of this episode so you can listen to Philip K. Dick talking about simulation theory. It was. It's worth the watch. It was in France, as Rick said. It was in 1977, a book tour he did in France, uh, which he just came on stage out of the blue and started talking about ideas of that basically our simulation theory, the stuff he's talking about, really interesting, mm. blowing everyone's minds as uh, yeah. he was wont to do. Uh, the other thing that I uh, want to talk about in terms of uh, films is obviously The Matrix is the the, the go-to on this subject, but there's uh, a couple of others out there okay. uh, that I want to give an honourable mention to. So uh, you've got The 13th Floor, which was massively overshadowed by The Matrix and a fantastic film about simulation theory. I've never seen uh, that one. What's it called? The 13th Floor. I'm going to look into that. Highly recommended. Very, very good film. It was uh, a nerd friend of mine called Derek who uh, put me onto it, and it, it blew my tiny mind at the time. But mm. yeah, it was completely overshadowed by The Matrix. Yeah. Um, another one, Dark City. Uh, it's a bit of a weird film. It's got the dude from The Crystal Maze in it. You know, uh, Richard... Uh, what's his name? I know who you mean. Richard something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Richard Board guy. I think... I, uh, I, I, O'Brien. When did that film come out? Um, oh god, I think it was early two thousands, about two thousand three yeah, or something. I, it's got um, Kiefer Sutherland in it. I think I've seen that one, but like you know, when you, like barely remember it, like that all rings a bell to me. Yeah, uh, it's, so it's out there. It's I think it's one there. of the ones I've caught on telly like way back when and have vague recollections of because it's all ringing a bell. But yeah, yeah, that Dark City is uh, definitely worth a watch as well. Though yeah. I, I rate that one. Uh, v- Vanilla Sky is uh, yeah, Vanilla Sky. one. Yeah. Um, What's that other Tom Cruise one as well, where he keeps on getting shot and respawning? And oh, um, Edge of Tomorrow. It's came to me. Yes, Edge of Tomorrow is a, sort of uh, on-topic-ish. On Re-released as Live, Die, Repeat. So some some yes. listeners may have seen it as that. Yeah, that's what comes to my mind first. I was like, no, it yeah. doesn't sound right. But, it was yeah, based on it. a manga called All You Need Is Kill. <laughs> which is a way better cooler name. They should have just called it that. I didn't know that. Yeah, that it was great. There's a manga series that's super popular called All You Need Is Kill. Mm. Um, and they thought that's, that's a amazing. weird name let's call it Edge of Tomorrow which is kind of bland and then no one went to yeah. see it even though it's a really cool film it is it and really is when it was released on video and oh, video DVD and Blu-ray <laughs> it was released as Live Die Repeat so it's one of those yeah. confusing films that has like three names but super, super cool yeah for, for anyone who didn't give it a chance yeah, yeah recommend it definitely. yeah I really Definitely. like that film that's one of those mm. that around that time there was a few real underrated films that came out and that's one of them hmm and uh, obviously, it has to be mentioned because we talk about it pretty much every bloody episode. Is uh, Black Mirror? Black Mirror, of course. Yeah, like yeah, that covers yeah, all of like, this uh, stuff. Yeah, Hang the DJ. Uh, yeah. that was quite a good one. Uh, White Christmas. That's obviously all about sort of simulation theories, simulated minds. Uh, the episode San Junipero, without giving away spoilers. Yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting. There's so many episodes that look into or skirt around the edges of simulation theory. Yeah, totally. Um, I remember because that series was. It started around the same time as Weird Tales, I think. And um, so when Tiss sort of was talking about simulation theory on early Weird Tales, I remember watching some of those early Black Mirrors and being like, oh, this is the stuff we were talking about. Aren't we smarty pants? Um, so I was seeing what else I've got in my notes. I think I'm running to the end of my notes, to be honest. Yeah, I was just looking through mine. Um, it's pretty much... Well, I've got oh, actually. There's a couple more bits. Um, just just back on the the computer game stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was there was some really arrogant dude that I saw on online. Um, I couldn't find the post annoyingly because I want to I want to link it. But when when you're playing computer games, something that they do, especially first person shooters, is wherever you're looking, that's what's rendered. So right. there is stuff like just the very edge of your vision that you can just see. But as you flip the camera around, it loads and pops everything in yeah. super quickly. And it saves on processing because it's not processing the entire world, just what you can see. 
makes sense. It's called frustrum culling. And I was reading this post about this dude, and just just going back to the arrogance of it, and this this dude was saying that like he can just sometimes see on the edge of his vision either things that aren't quite loaded in and look blocky and chunky, mm. like a, like a, a bin that is round might look square and not have a proper texture on it, and he sees textures rendering in the edge of his vision. And that's it was hard just, just to, peripheral vision, isn't it? Like yeah. we focus on what's in front of us, and the rest is blurry. That's that's just how that works. But he was he was also claiming that like sometimes the edge of his vision was sort of frosty, and if he looked around quick enough, he could see little white areas, and he thought that was everything popping in. But to me, it sounded like the poor bastard had like early cataracts or something. Yeah, I mean, there was guys saying similar stuff to that in that glitch in the Matrix doc. They were saying like, oh, when I'm on a long car journey through the middle of nowhere. It's like the world putting nothing around me so it can render the destination I'm going to because I'm going to like a city. And I was just like, what are you talking about? There are people in that city already. It's like it's already rendered. The world isn't rendering around you. That's the side of me that I get lost on that stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. The whole world is running as a simulation all the time, not just the bit you're standing in. You self-centered prick is what I was saying at the screen a lot to them people saying that stuff. Yeah, and a lot of it is that arrogance. They'll treat everyone else like they're non-existent. So yeah. They're above everyone else. And I, I think it goes back to that thing where it can always be like a mental illness where people want to be special. You yes, know? yeah, like, yeah. I've got a little secret superpower where I'm the only person that's real. Yeah, I, everyone wants to be Truman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, sorry, but you're not. Yeah. You're just another fucking guy. Sadly, and that's when you start feeling insignificant and then you get into all different <laughs> mental issues the other way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you realise you're get not drinking instead. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what else I've got. I, th- I think that's that probably about it, really. No, I think that's pretty much all I had on it, really. Yeah, I think I've got this through the stuff I want to talk about. What I thought this would be a more interesting one for us to do after some of the other topics we've done, because this is almost like a Weird Tales Revisited version of a discussion episode. Mm. We're just, there's no proof either way. There's no facts. There's nothing. It's just a few hypotheses that people think about and they are interesting and there's no way to prove either way. And yeah. I thought it might just be fun to throw our hats in the ring at what we discovered on our little journey and what we think about it and have like a mini sort of revisited discussion episode um, and something that you can get your teeth into <laughs> instead of going, <laughs> you know what? I found out it was a hoax. <laughs> it, it is very nice being able to say, I don't know or something like this. Yeah. This is such a big topic. And I like the sort of thought experiment ones because there's always going to be a question mark hanging over it until someone proves this is a simulation. Yeah. And it feels good for me to sit down and just like, ramble about it for an hour rather than derailing a million episodes of weird tales with like but but, but simulation theory like we have so many times in the past and then (laughs) derail everything we're talking about like no now we've sat and talked about it for an hour and i've got out of my system and i won't disrail any more discussion episodes of simulation theory talk it's here that's it this is the point of (laughs) reference this is it i I think i'm with a lot of the scientists who say hey this is more than likely there's no there's no reason there's no way to prove this isn't a real thing it's very feasible that it's a real thing. It's very feasible that we're living in a simulation right now. There's no way to prove it. Don't get caught up on it. You might you might be, you might not be. The dangerous thing is, and this gets into Matrix defense stuff, is some people see like, well, I'm in a simulation, so nothing matters. I could kill this person or do that or do whatever, and it wouldn't matter because nothing's real anyway. Well, to mm. you, it is. If you're not real and you're just code then this is who you are and it is real to you. Like it's the world you have to exist in. So it's no different whether this is real or a simulation. And what is real exactly. anyway? So you exactly. might as well just treat it like it's real, even if you believe it's a simulation because effectively to you, it's real either way. It's, it's what you've That's got to it. live in. Yes. So, For everyone else's sake, please stop being such a self-centered, arrogant prick. Yeah, don't don't beat yourself up about it. If you think it might be possible, just what can you do about it? Just accept it. And if this is your one life, then live in it. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Don't need to hurt anyone else because of that. Just continue your existence. Because when I think about it too much as well, I am like, you know what? It is more than likely. I I have some days where I think about it. I'm like, this is probably a simulation. And then some days I think, nah, probably not. That's a bit far-fetched. You know, I I flip-flop on everything. And the days I think, well, this is probably a simulation. It doesn't change my outlook on the world. I'm like, cool, what a cool thing that the future us made that I actually feel like I'm real. 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's majestic in a different way. Yeah, it doesn't and change anything. It's, it's no different to, you know, diehard religious believers saying, well, I was made by God and he made this world. And isn't that cool? And, you know, the, it's the same people that say, well, if you don't believe in God, what's to stop you from doing X, Y, or Z? If you don't believe this world is real, what's to stop you from doing X, Y, and Z? Nothing, but why would you? That's it. So That's it. Well, the trouble is, any believers are going to say that we've been sent by the system to record this to That's try true. and maybe dissuade them and uh, make them think about alternatives. Remain calm. Everything is normal. <laughs> We're not coming for you. <laughs> Stay where you are. I don't want to be responsible for any dark deeds. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll finish up there. Listeners, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so directly at the email wtatupod at gmail.com or you can go on the website weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com. You can also contact through there. You can find the links to all the other stuff on there. You can uh, find more episodes of Weird Tales Revisited, like the Mandela Effect one we mentioned on here before, as well as some other bonus shows from other things I do at bobshoy.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can go to bobshoy.com, uh, which is my website for the Bob Shoy Podcast Network, which this is a part of. So if you enjoy this podcast, you might enjoy some of the other stuff I work on. And if you want to support my time editing and researching for all these podcasts, you can do that at patreon.com slash bobshoy. And because this one was a little bit delayed getting up, you've actually you've only got to wait one week now for the next Weird Tales. So next week, there's going to be a whole another episode, and that will be the last one in this run of episodes uh, for a month. Uh, so yeah so there we go we've we've sort of rambled we've got no definitive proof i think we've weighed in any final thoughts rick yes for the first time ever i have my first ever weird tales wrap up whoa until next time simulator oh yes he's done it <laughs> i love he's it. Done it my <laughs> life is complete The subject of this speech is a topic which has been discovered recently and which may not exist at all. I may be talking about something that does not exist. Therefore, I'm free to say everything or nothing. I, in my stories and novels, often write about counterfeit worlds semi-real worlds, as well as deranged private worlds, inhabited often by just one person, while meantime the other characters either remain in their own worlds throughout or are somehow drawn into one of the peculiar ones. This theme occurs in the corpus of my 27 years of writing. At no time did I have a theoretical or conscious explanation for my preoccupation with these pluriform pseudo-worlds, but now I think I understand. What I was sensing was the manifold of partially actualized realities lying tangent to what evidently is the most actualized one, the one which the majority of us by consensus gentium agree on. Later that day, back home again, but still deeply under the influence of the sodium pentothal, I had a short, acute flash of recovered memory. Then in mid-March, month later, the total body of memories intact and entire began to return. You are free to believe me or to disbelieve, but please take my word on it that I am not joking. This is very serious, a matter of importance. At that time, I had no idea what I was seeing. It resembled nothing that I had ever heard described. It resembled plasmic energy. It had colors. It moved fast, it collected, and then dispersed. But what it was, what he was, I am not sure even now. In other words, it's a common theme in my writing that a dark-haired girl shows up at the door of the protagonist and tells him that his world is delusional, that there's something false about it. Well, this did finally happen to me. I even knew that her hair would be black. I had an actual complete sense of what she would look like and what she would say. She did appear, she was a total stranger, and she did inform me of this fact, that some of my fictional works were in a literal sense true. 
I wrote out these dreams in novel after novel, story after story, to name two in which this prior ugly present obtained most clearly. I cite The Man in the High Castle and my 1974 novel about the U.S. as a police state called Flow My Tears, The Policeman Said. I'm going to be very candid with you. I wrote both novels based on fragmentary residual memories of such a horrid slave state world. People claim to remember past lives. I claim to remember a different, very different present life. I know of no one who has ever made this claim before, but I rather suspect that my experience is not unique. What perhaps is unique is the fact that I am willing to talk about it. We are living in a computer programmed reality and the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed and some alteration in our reality occurs. We would have the overwhelming impression that we were reliving the present deja vu, perhaps in precisely the same way, hearing the same words, saying the same words. I submit that these impressions are valid and significant. And I will even say this, such an impression is a clue that at some past time point, a variable was changed reprogrammed as it were, and that because of this, an alternative world branched off. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.